Extraterrestrial, directed by Steven Spielberg and starring Henry Thomas, Dee Wallace, Drew Barrymore, and Pat Welsh, was released in 1982. In 1982, the Commodore 64 8-bit home computer is launched by Commodore International in Las Vegas. Michael Jackson's groundbreaking album Thriller was released, and world-famous improvisational jazz pianist Thelonious Monk passed away. We've got one other movie from 1982 that makes an appearance on the AFI's Top 100 Movie Quotes list, and that is Poltergeist. I sat down with fellow soundtrack lover and all-around nostalgia buddy Patrick Brennan to discuss an intergalactic homesick aliens blues in number 15 on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Movie Quotes. I'm your host, Cooper Powers. pop the champagne another time we'll keep it on the dl as the kids say we won't wake the wife I'm, i may be yelling during this so. <laughs> I, I mean it's a yell worthy occasion this is an american classic and we're talking of course about et the extraterrestrial um steven spielberg's feel-good classic 1982 talking with patrick brennan here yet again man we haven't we haven't chatted since oh i know 2009 right <laughs> I mean, it was just a star in each other's eyes, so to speak. It was Apollo 13, for sure. One of my it favorite episodes. It wasn't 2009. Episodes. <laughs> People <laughs> wasn't. won't have the context for that. <laughs> uh, let's, call it, let's call it 2015. It was past the, uh, it was past the early aughts, uh, which we can say as, as millennials, yes. as uh, citizens of the world. But uh, you, you wrapped up E.T. Uh, not too long ago. You watched it as a, uh, as a two-parter. <laughs> did you did you gain anything from sort of breaking it up that way? Uh, I'm only asking to break your balls. It probably had nothing to do with that, but you know, I really turned it into a one parter. I, I oh, watched okay. um, probably ten or fifteen minutes. One Not a night, long movie, and then I just started it over the next day. So nice. I'd say one sitting. <clears throat> I think it's well earned every every second of that movie because I'm asking people right off the bat, right off the cuff. Pat, do you like this movie? I do. I like this movie too, and it's been over a decade since I've watched it back to front the last time. What about you? Very much the same. Maybe uh, longer. I haven't seen this movie in a very long time. You know, I know everybody knows the overall story, but uh, I did not remember most of it. I didn't know Drew Barrymore was in it. I didn't remember. <laughs> yeah, young Drew Barrymore. Um, and, a, and a precocious kid. Movie's filled with precocious kids. I mean, there's... There's a YouTube clip floating around of uh, of Henry Thomas, Henry Thomas doing a read in the casting room with Spielberg uh, present, and it's a scene, intense scene where you know the government agents come in to say, "Hey, we're going to take away ET," and you can see the raw emotion. And the last few seconds of the clip on YouTube, Spielberg's just like, "Okay, kids, you got the job," and he's just like, "Oh wow, really? Super!" Wow. Yeah, that I, that's a recurring thing with uh, child actors. I just watched the Harry Potter reunion thing. And they were showing videos of, um, you know, uh, Daniel Radcliffe and whatnot um, as kids talking about like 
just the idea of becoming famous. And they were like, yeah, it sounds awesome. <laughs> wow, millions of dollars. All I have to do is pretend. Oh, that's so cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's Leviosa. Yeah, it was a good movie. I, I like this movie a lot. Um, it's been a while since I've seen, I mean, like a true blue feel-good movie. And and what better way to, to you know, wet your whistle with a movie like that than to, see, than to watch something by Spielberg, Masterclass. You know? Oh, yeah. But we, we try not to, you know, if you can call it an evolution of the show, maybe just me asking better questions and more pertinent questions. I mean, this show's about the quotes, my guy. Uh, and, and right off the bat, we've got E.T. Phone Home, which was number 15. It's a top 20 quote. Uh, you're all over the board as a guest here. You've experienced top 20 with E.T. P- Patrick top Brennan. 15. Top 15. Top 50 guest. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, I accept that. But <laughs> E.T. Phone Home top is number 15. Is number 15. Do you, you, you want to you wanna shake out the rank? Right now, or you got any other thoughts you want to try to? My initial reaction is that ET phone home, it... a little high, a little high, <laughs> a lot of high, maybe. <laughs> I think it's like <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, ET makes the list, but I mean, it's a quote surrounded by a ton of winning potential. It's you know, it's a trifecta. Great visual design for the time, great soundtrack, the master John Williams behind the composer board. And Spielberg, a Spielberg classic. So maybe there was some glad handing going on behind the AFI curtains. I'm not afraid to call these guys out. That's that's the other part of the show. You know, I'm I'm a no, rebel. I'm a rogue. What are you Hollywood has its own, you know, deep state. And, uh, <laughs> the roots run deep, dude. But you said the visuals. I was talking about the visuals with uh, my wife Allie, and we were. I was saying, I'm so glad it was made. The time that it was made because. To have a fully CGI E.T. for that whole movie, I wouldn't have bought into E.T. as much as a character. Yeah, yeah. Besides just the the graphical prowess of it, just the actual design, I thought worked better as a puppet. You know, something short and stubby translates a lot better with a a, a wobble or you know a, a waddle rather with how it walks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, let's be honest. That's uh, Roger. Yes, thank you. Yeah. What's the what's the what's the show producer's name? Seth, Seth McFarlane. McFarlane. Yeah, thank you. We got there at the same time. Yeah, that's Seth McFarlane. Clearly, cops that for Roger, right? I'm so glad I, I've seen basically all of American Dad before rewatching um, ET because uh-huh. it was so much more enjoyable. Like the plant coming back to life mm-hmm. moments that they do that in one of an, an American Dad episode and. Uh, I didn't understand that that was an E.T. reference. So when he was doing it during the movie, it was just like, oh, my goodness. I was waiting for E.T. Awesome. to uh, talk about some good wine. Well, the scene when he's getting beer out of the fridge, I was yeah. like, <laughs> there you go. Oh, E.T.'s a Schlitz man. You, you have a, a good craft beer you like, E.T.? <laughs> I, uh, I, I like the movie. Um, and just kind of breaking it down, early stages of it, you know, it, it opens in the classic... 80s fashion um and i think uh this establishes a really good foundation for where a lot of more heavy-handed 80s tropes come from since this is directly of its time it was shot in the 80s it's it's always going to feel more authentic in my opinion than say something like 
Stranger Things, which I, I, I enjoy. You know, it, it's fun. It has its place. But this is just so much more genuine and authentic. And I, I, I got to give a shout out to uh, to all my fellow GMs out there who wear their nerd cred on their sleeve. GMs, DMs, whatever you want to call yourself. Good Dungeon Masters. Always let who wants to play, play at the table. Opening scene. All right, oh, make yeah. your character. Hey, can I play now? You know, pull up, grab a seat, watch what we're doing. Do you uh, do you play uh, Dungeons & Dragons or anything like that, Pat? Any TTRPG? I have tried to get into it, and I have not been successful. I would love to. It's a lot of fun. Um, and sort of, you know, we we get this early established feeling that Elliot's a creative kid. He He, you know, can easily determine reality from what's made up and isn't, you know, isn't going to be talked down to by older adults. He's got a mind of his own because we find out he has to take care of himself, you know, as well as his, his sister and, uh, you know, his, his older brother, Mike sort of oversees that, but the parents are divorced long story short, or, or, or at least separated. And, uh, and this, this draws from Spielberg's, uh, uh, childhood experiences with divorced parents of its own. So I didn't know that, but I thought that divorce, um, element of it, the way it was presented, was um, a little funny. Just the head shake with the Mexico <laughs> pulling out of the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I may have the Audi, but he's with Stacy. Yeah. And the daughter, um, Gertie, was that her name? Yeah, Gertie. She keeps bringing it up in front of the mom. Why can't dad come home from Mexico with his sleeves? <laughs> I don't know. Gertie did not play that one cool at all. <laughs> Gertie was not cool. I, I also want to ask... Do you have any dedicated house? You know, I we've known each other for for several years, but I, I can't remember if you've have if you have siblings or not. I do. I have an older sister named Margaret. Lives older in sister New York. named Margaret. Awesome. Well, I'm glad I I asked that because uh, obviously now I know. But I I wanted to follow that up with, did you have dedicated chores as a kid? We we see Mike, Gertie, and Elliot arguing about. Well, I cleared. You empty. I scraped the table. So on and so forth. Uh, you know, we kind of did. I think they were more um, implicit over time. We developed an understanding of who was expected to do what. But I'm sure there were squabbles and uh, the tasks and their assignments changed over time also. Um, I, I'm one of four. But, uh, I mean, it was <laughs> – we, we, all, we all pitched in, uh, you know – at our respective duties, but I, I was so much younger. I really didn't have to get anything divvied up until I was seven or eight. Cause at that point it was really just kind of me in the house or, you know, nine or 10 rather before my brother left. Cause he's 10 years older than I am. But I, I just wonder taking those plates to the sink, steam just starts pouring out of that faucet. How oh, hot yeah. was that damn water, dude? Yeah, that was uh interesting. And then the camera kind of pulls out of the kitchen and yeah, it's just like completely fogging up the window. Yeah, that was that's a one of the dangers of like a hot water heater is if you know you can get there's like a limit to the temperature you can uh, you're supposed to be able to get out of the hot. Yeah, and if the, I guess if the regulator breaks, breaks you know, yeah. you've got a secondary burn on your hand. Yeah. So I mean, we talk about glad handing in Hollywood and the behind the scenes deep state. How much? Uh, how much did Lucas? Uh, dropped to have uh, his Greedo toys. I film. know. And uh, <laughs> I thought I saw another Star Wars reference too. But yeah. Land, Lando, Lando, Boba, and, and, and Greedo. 
and the Yoda that they saw on the street during Halloween. Yeah, I, I want to get to that uh, eventually because this okay. is, that's that's the beginning of the uh, the SEU is what I'm calling it, the Spielberg Extended Universe. What else about this movie do you feel like uh, is as entertaining today as it was when you first saw it? Because I maybe saw it when I was 11 or 12, so it's it's been a minute. And then like when I was 18 the last time, so it's definitely been a while. But what about you? Well, um... I think they. I think you touched on this, but they did put in the Spielberg magic. Mm-hmm. That opening really establishes the the tone. Everything feels like you're, you know, a young uh, kid riding around in the neighborhood on your bike, just being a bro. Uh, some some detractors had said, "Oh, well, this is too much of a, a plain Jane fantasy." Uh, fantasy viewing of of suburbia back in the day but i mean if that's how if the, if this is a time capsule and that's how people want to remember it i don't think it's too far off base i think it brought so much more of the magic back watching it this time uh than than a new iteration of it might be just because it was of that time you know? yeah i think people have lost the ability to frame things um and appreciate them for coming out you know at the time that they did and i think when et came out those tropes and that vision for a fictional world hadn't really been established. So I don't think people, uh, I mean, people today are like, they watch that movie and they're like, oh, that's like Stranger Things. And it's like, it's what Stranger Things drew from. And it's, right. I don't know. The other thing I was going to say is I think the movie has a ton of heart and heart as a concept is uh, hard to define, but it's something I've talked about uh, with Dan. We may have talked about it at some point, but um, it's something that I feel has been missing in a lot of movies that have come out in the past 10 years and it's it's hard to say what it is exactly but you know it when you see it and I think E.T. does have a lot of heart yeah pretty cool I, I think that's a great point Pat uh, and I, I would you know expand on that further by saying I know you're a big soundtrack guy uh, John, John Williams is on here and I, I oh, think yeah. music the score definitely has a lot to uh, you know, help underscore that, no pun intended, you know, to help kind of build up that that heart. Uh, but just expand on that by saying an, an immediate movie that comes to my mind that I think has heart with another great soundtrack, which I think we've talked about uh, off mic before, is October Sky. Because uh, I know you you are an October Sky OST kind of fella. Oh, yeah. Trying to win me over here, Coop. Bringing up <laughs> October Sky. Oh, my God. Well, you know, I treat my guests right. Daddy oh. knows what's good. Daddy knows what's good. You got me. You got me to silver six on Halo Infinite. And I gotta. I gotta pay my respects where I can. Oh, we need to keep. We need to boost that up. We can do that. <laughs> um, and yeah, by the time this comes out, you know, keep up with me on Twitter at unquote PC. Ask me if I'm gold or maybe even Onyx at some point. It won't be Onyx, but we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. So, ET phone home, the actual line, comes in at 55 minutes and five seconds. Or no, excuse me. Let me let me backtrack this. An iteration of the line on the list is ET home phone, which comes in at 55 minutes and five seconds. It's not just a few, <laughs> not just a few seconds later at 55 minutes, 27 seconds, we get the dialed in version again, oh no pun intended, the, <laughs> the final version of ET phone home said, said a total of, you know, it's like nine or 10 times is what I had marked. I got tired of marking it, but not, not just volume or repetition, but I think just going off the cuff, going on a limb here. So stick with me. 
I think in terms of the impact of the line, I'm not looking so much at what's come before, but everything around it in this in this instance. And I think this is, you know, kind of a definitive act to start is when the line said. He's speaking a different language, or he's speaking their language rather, forming coherent sentences. They know he has a will to get home. They know he has, you know, something else to escape to. They they can empathize with him. Yeah, just it signals the start of, of act two in my mind. It's like, okay, we we have a mission. This is this is our journey. This is our call to action. How can we help our friend get back home? What what are your thoughts on the line as you see it? I think you are right. It is very much, you know, kind of right in the middle of the movie. And um, I think I was checking the timestamp at the time of that scene. So I think that's accurate. Um, The line itself, it didn't hit home very hard for me. That's why earlier, you know, you said it was rank 15. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, really? Yeah. Um, And I I get that. I agree. It does identify the movie very well. Yeah. Um, And... I think I'm missing the perspective of being, you know, in the movie theater when this came out, watching this amazing looking, you know, visual effect alien on the screen with a glowing finger talking about, you know, calling home and stuff. And I think that's a big part of why the line is so well known and remembered. You made a good point about the finger. I I think that has something to do with it, too. But continue on with what you were saying. I think that's about it. It's a it's a good line. It identifies the movie. It's not poignant or anything. It's just what he wants to do, and now Elliot has to help him do it. Yeah, I I didn't take much more meaning from it. I have a few substitutions, but before I get to those, I mean, is there anything else to to unpack? Um, he's you know been on Earth for uh, now. I can't remember. Maybe you can refresh my memory, Pat. At this point, has he started to discolor? Has he started to fade uh, in the visual sense that he is dying, quote-unquote? You know, I was trying to follow the process of that and why it was happening, and it seemed a little inconsistent. And I didn't understand why he was getting sick. And I saw the American Dad episode where Roger was getting (laughs) sick. But that was because Roger... Um, had agreed to stop being an ass to everybody. <laughs> right. And that it turned out that being an ass was what kept him um, healthy and in shape. I do have um, some notes here. I'm going to read one to you now, if that's okay. okay. Yes, please do. I developed a headcanon during the movie that E.T. You know, in Halo, they have the Flood. Yeah. And the Flood have the grave mind. Mm-hmm. I think E.T. is an infant Flood uh, grave mine. <laughs> doesn't bode well for Earth, then, does it? <laughs> if he can make a an interstellar communicator out of a GIF jar and a speaking <laughs> spell, I think we're all screwed. Uh, yeah, he's um, acquiring foreign technologies and uh, building that knowledge base to assimilate uh, species and planets in the future. It's a good point. I mean, he's already got a extremely sustainable foodstuff source in Reese's Pieces, which Spielberg, by the way, made an easy 500K uh, every you know week or so of, of the movie's release from the Hershey's company. So, Yeah, I think I saw an article or something about how M- they originally wanted M&M's, but M- M&M's wouldn't... Or is that Mars? Yeah, that's Mars Company. <laughs> Those f- idiots. Fools. Fools. 
so in your mind, the the big blue eyes are just 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 a ploy. They're they're just they're they're the facade that hides the evil genius behind it all. Yeah, you can't really see anything behind them. I think they're uh, sort of a cold void, um, like a fogged up bathroom mirror or kitchen sink. Kitchen sink. <laughs> in this in this can that you've created, and I'm not I'm not as well versed in the Halo lore as, as other people are. Uh, I only play mostly the multiplayer, but there's only one Grave Mind. Is that right? I only ask because I I remember the cutscenes of like this huge biomass, the Grave Mind thing, and if you were to boil all that down into you know one package, there were multiple ET aliens. So that means multiple Grave Minds, multiple universes. You know, they're you know, already spacefaring. This is just getting more perplexing. I'm getting a little verklempt and scared just talking about this canon, right? Now, oh yeah. So. You know, actually, I think there were multiple Grave Minds because um, you recall. Halo 1, Captain Keys. Um, does that ring a bell? Yeah, yeah. He's the, that's the Pillar of Autumn Captain, right? The Pillar of Autumn Captain. And uh, he has an unfortunate end uh, with a particularly gory scene. And I think I recall reading that um, in the lore, he was turning into a grave mind. So I mm. think that there are multiple grave minds. So, so building building off of this amazing headcanon we've got rolling right now. Yes, ET, the entity that we know in the movie, comes back, turns against his his Earthling friends, assimilates assimilates Elliot, and all you see is the face of a young child, a face of a young child staring out over the open expanse of black emptiness. Is that is that kind of what I'm what I'm getting here? Either that face or the face that ET was making when the mom opens the closet and ET's hiding. <laughs> and he's like, that was a creepy face. It was. What what the hell kind of carnival fair are you going to where you don't remember taking that home from the the duck shooting game? Yeah. You know, or the ring toss. <laughs> Look what I want. Get, get, get it out. <laughs> take it back right now. But the mom had other things to think about. She did. She she had to dress up as a hot cat hot cat godmother for Halloween. <laughs> I like Amazon, or uh, I was watching on Amazon, and they'll show you, you know, who's in the scene. Yeah. And the actress who played the mom, of course, they put a picture of her now. And I'm like, who is that old woman? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> that's right. It has been some time, but still look good. Yeah. Time has passed, but once a pussycat, always a pussycat. <laughs> so the saying goes. Talking about spacefaring, I think this is a, a good a good point to lead into the the Spielberg expanded universe. You know, Lucas Lucas gets a favor, getting Greedo, Boba, Lando in there. It's like we're gonna sell hella unit toys after this movie drops. Mark my word, Steve. And Steve's like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. Steve comes back and is like, hey, big dog, I heard you broke down to the sweaty nerds and you're making episode one. Here's what you need to do, right? I need you to put that little ET alien that's made us all millions of dollars. He needs to be in the Galactic Senate. That needs to happen. I was a little Stephen and my shirt. That's my Lucas impression. <laughs> I don't know if it really works with it. Look, you put Jar Jar Binks in this movie. You owe me, George. You owe me. Do you think that took place? Listen. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. In the dark rooms of the... Of the Hollywood elite, who knows what's going on? 
Is that a uh, Senate reference? Is that real? Is ET in the Senate? Oh, it, it absolutely is. That that wasn't just me pulling your leg. Are you going to YouTube this? I'm looking at yeah. that right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yep. Wow. See, but he looks, or they, the ET, whatever, they don't look as good as... Uh, they don't. See? Yeah. The, the, the puppeteers did a hell of a good job. Are they are they wearing robes or anything, or are they still just like flesh sitting in the? They are entirely naked. They are just fuck naked. I don't know. Is that CG? I, well, I don't know. I'll send you the link. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure it's CG from what I remember it. They <laughs> they look so much worse, and I know that they like this is like the 1080p Blu-ray master. They've zoomed in to get this screenshot, but they look horrible. Doesn't even really look like ET. Like they've got all that extra rib meat. They've got all that that extra McRib meat going on, and there's no way that you'd be able to tell there was any sort of like wet, you know, grease. <laughs> grease. I don't know. So like there be there's no mucosal membrane coating grease. them. <laughs> grease. Yeah, I like the the plump one on the left too. ET thick. Got a little belly. Yeah. Oh, I think I was hearing about the. Uh, divorce so much I came up with a new title for the movie which is EA The Extramarital Affair <laughs> Subtitled in Spanish <laughs> <laughs> Or what's what's extraterrestrial in Spanish You are asking the wrong man <laughs> that question Oh you looked it up Yeah Extraterrestria I'm not even going to try Extraterrestria That was more Italian I'm just I'm just going to stop all in the head I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> all six people from Italy listening to this is like, how dare you? Yeah, I agree. Uh, the The puppeteering is sells it so much better. I, I don't know what they were doing, but they got their favors out of the way, and E.T. is now Star Wars canon. That's is that is that the earliest iteration? I have this just down as a small little aside. Do you think that's the earliest iteration that we would ever backtrace to, like, some sort of metaverse? I mean, I know we have this present-day MCU, tons of crossovers, tons of, you know, cross-franchise integration and stuff. But this is like, it's not that big of a deal, but maybe it is. Like, this is the <laughs> this is the earliest, I think, iteration of a cross-franchise approach. And they're two huge, well, I don't know if I'd call E.T. a franchise, but they're two huge IPs, you know, mixed up like that. I don't know, just definitely something to think about. What do you think? That's a very good question, and it's a uh, difficult to answer. Number one, because you know I'm in the hot seat right now, <laughs> and uh, I go into panic mode when I get asked direct questions like that. not a big deal. And number two, I'm pretty like defining, you know, an example of that is hard because, like, with the Marx Brothers, they would bring in like random other talent from that time and feature them. Yeah which some people might be like, that was a crossover. But as far as like what we think of now as a crossover, the example I just gave might be more of a feature. So I don't know. I'm. That's a good question. I, that's a great answer. I think you uh, prevented your butt from sizzling in the hot seat. I'm very satisfied it's with that. It's getting hot in here. I'm <laughs> getting you. griddle marks on my butt, dude. <laughs> One hour, five minutes, 25 seconds. Amblin Entertainment, The Moonshot. One of the most magical, I think, 
instances, magical little shots in in uh, American cinema. I just I love it. I think it's so cool. Even looking at it now, I'm just like, dude, that's a great shot, man. And if if shots were lines, I don't know if AFI would ever do like a great greatest scene in cinema history over the last century. But I think that's a strong contender. I think so too, and I think it's. Um, I think it really shows how uh, Spielberg can recognize something that most people would kind of pass over and say that is cool. Let's make that big. Yeah, and then you know you get uh, John Williams to come in and have the scene kind of build up in uh, the music when you're getting to that moment, and then just put it right there and highlight it for you know, a generous amount of time. I think that is why Spielberg is special. Yeah. And nothing ever, ever overstays its welcome. I, I agree with that a hundred percent, you know, and even at a close to two hour runtime, everything just clips along. It's, it's another reason to like it is it's just, it's a well-paced movie. Um, but you know, speaking of past the hour mark, uh, I didn't really find too many other lines that were that stuck out or were as I guess even retroactively impactful as ET phone home. You know, just like you said, the combination of the animatronics with, you know, maybe the the start uh you know, kind of narratively uh, of a second act, you know, like hey, we've got a new priority here, we need to shift gears and 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 take care of our buddy, take care of our buddy. Um but our 1 hour, 23 minutes, 26 seconds. Uh, it's when Keys is uh, is looking over Elliot, and they they have the clean room up and everything, and it's I, I like this one. Um, it's I'm glad he met you first by Keys, and, and I think that that one actually is poignant in my opinion, probably more so than ET phone home, um, because here you know you, he's been this off camera presence or on screen, but face off camera presence, you know, you only see him from the waist down and right. it's, it's set, it builds that tension, you know, cause they've got flashlights and there, there's this undercurrent of, you know, kind of who are they, what are they doing, but are they really nefarious? You know, I, I think that kind of helps. I, I don't think that sullies the charm that Spielberg is kind of building with the magic in this movie. It's not like there's, you know, they've already captured one of ET's buddies and they've got him up on the rack at at Langley, you know, and they're beating the piss out of him. Yeah. But like, I love that. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I I, I like that line because um, it's it 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 softens this presence because I mean the the guy delivers it really well. I thought, uh, and he, he's not menacing with it. You can see it in his eyes, and then he relates to Elliot. I think it was either before or right after. I, I've been searching for this for ET too you know, ever since I was a little boy. I I know where you're at. I want to help you. You know, I'm glad he found you first. I just I thought that was a great line. Do you, Do you remember that? What What are your thoughts on that? That's a great line. I liked it too, and I like what they did with his character. And honestly, I wonder if they wanted to do more with him because he shows up when ET is leaving at the end of the movie. Yeah. And he's kind of an observer to that, and he doesn't try to interfere. He sees, like, this is happening. I'm just going to be present here for it. And uh, I think his character is really cool. I love, uh, you touched on this, I love how up until, you know, actually, you know, the whole time, really, because E.T. dies before we can really, dies 
before we can really see what their intentions are. But the consequences in your head for uh, whatever you think that's going to happen with E.T. or Elliot if they get caught by keys, it you know, that's entirely in your head as the audience. Yeah. And they never they never ever really lay out, you know, what the big bad uh, men in jeans and flashlights i was gonna say men in suits but they don't oh, oh that <laughs> was that was also a lee's commercial for 1982 don't don't get it twisted. Yeah. <laughs> i pat i think that's that's absolutely correct that's all that's hitting the nail on the head you you're whatever you're scared of the most is normally what you're building up in your own mind you know and while it's okay. not directly or overtly sort of menacing, it's just like, okay, well, like, I want to know what's going on. You know, that, that gives you that investment. That's, that's the big, that's one of the big payoffs. That's part of the magic building. Absolutely correct. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think it was really cool um, that they never tell you that, you know, Keys is going to take E.T. and dissect him at Langley. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I think everyone who's watching the movie is like, they're going to take E.T. apart. <laughs> and then they don't really even deny it either. <laughs> they put him into the, the freezing chamber and they're going to take him away. Yeah, It's like, they're not going to give him a burial. They're gonna, <laughs> we know it's going to happen. We're going to find out what makes him tick, little buddy. <laughs> yeah. Any any lines prior to that, that that had stuck out to you? I mean, pretty, pretty cut and dry, tightly written movie. I mean, uh, Melissa Matheson. Uh, uh, she's you know since passed. I think she passed in twenty twenty fifteen or something like that. But that was Harrison Ford's first uh, first wife, and wow. Spielberg was uh, working on Raiders, and was working with Harrison. And his wife was on set, and he had known that she'd you know been a screenwriter or was interested in writing. And he passed along an early draft to her and was like, hey. I want you to help me with this. I want you to do this. And she was like, nah, 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 nah. And Harrison Ford was like, knock it off. You're going to do it. And, <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> thank you. And she was like, <laughs> I learned it from Harrison Ford. And she was like, um, okay, uh, I'm in. And then they, you know, pounded it out over the course of like a month and, and hammered out the screenplay. Um, but it, it just, uh, all this is reinforcing. I know I said I tried to take things off the pedestal, but I'm, I'm actually finding myself kind of gushing on this one because it was one of the ones that I really enjoyed watching not only on the list, but a movie I enjoyed watching for the first time in a long time. I just, a, a testament to the magic. You know, I, I can't can't deny it for what it is. It got to me more than I thought it would. Oh, um, me too. And I was watching it too. And um, I think it's, prob- it's probably slipped under the radar for me because, you know, the lines most, for the most part, weren't memorable. And it was more of the content of the movie. Yeah. And the flow of it, and uh, it was just a very well-packaged adventure um, that was enjoyable to be a part of for that hour. Yeah, uh, 114 minutes, so just just shy of two hours. Um, the only other line I had before we maybe talk about ranking some more and why the hell it's up there as high as it is. I mean, why the hell is it? Oh, we we've just basically just sat here and <laughs> rubbed our tummies and eaten ice cream, reminiscing about all these childhood memories here. But oh, yeah. hour 48, uh, another instance using, using the animatronics, using the finger to great effect. Uh, E.T. touches Elliot in the center of the head. I'll be right here. 
another little tearjerker, which I thought was really great. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if that one's as much. Uh, it's a feel good moment, but I don't know if that one's as poignant as uh, even the other two. Uh, let alone, I'm glad he met you first. At least in my opinion. But yeah, just just a simple reminder. You know, it's like hey. I mean, and the themes abound about, you know, growing up out of childhood, overcoming adversity, yada, yada, yada. You can, you know, look that up on your own. And I I mean, anybody could. You read any sort of book about the making of any 80s movie or feel-good movie, you get the same kind of sentiment, right? Oh, yeah. But those are my only two. And now I think we just talk about 15. 15's high. It's too high. Yeah, it's a little high. Um, they do say it enough, though, in different forms. That's true. That I guess they were trying to get it. Like, it will be known for this quote, damn it. Um, but I, I think uh, it is a gut punch when E.T. does that, you know, I'll be in here thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it also goes back to what we were talking about with Hart. And, um, you know, I don't want to complain even more about, you know, recent movies but something you haven't seen so much is the power of saying goodbye to a character on screen you know with um, dude love that point you know iron man he's coming to his final moments we're saying goodbye to him and it's a powerful moment but i thought you know we say goodbye to et for it feels like 10 10 minutes um in several stages so he's he's about to die we have to say goodbye to him he dies that's very sad then he comes back to life. We're rejuvenated. And then he immediately goes and leaves again and says goodbye twice. Um, and it felt, you know, you felt it's very powerful that whole time. Um, and you see it again in other movies from yesteryear, like Castaway. Yeah. You know, he has to say goodbye to Wilson. Uh, everybody is like, why is it so sad that he's saying goodbye to Waldo? <laughs> um, another great soundtrack. And then, another great soundtrack. Uh, well, <laughs> That's all that's up here is, you know, (laughs) um, and then you got Harry Potter and he's like, you know, at the end of the first movie saying goodbye to the school, but he's like, I know it's not goodbye. Like, you know, this is where I feel at home, whatever. And we don't really see goodbyes with that much punch anymore or for now, I should say, I think, uh, we cycle through things culturally. So I'm sure we'll see them again. I certainly hope so. Um, I think that's a great point. I think that's not lost on me in any sort of way. Because as a callback to an earlier episode, when I talked with Roman about how some things should just end, you know, some of the earliest versions of that were very cut and dry. Credits roll. The story was what it was, and the characters are done. This isn't going to be a long-lived franchise. These are, there aren't going to be TV spinoffs. You know, maybe some novelizations, but that that has its own place. But um, thing, things just ending, I think, are in the, on the same plane as, as saying goodbye. One could be a little bit more effective than the other, let's say, uh, or vice versa. Um, do you, Just to backtrack, because I'm curious about that point you made, do you think that little brief roller coaster of die, rejuvenate, or goodbye, die, rejuvenate, goodbye, do you think that... Uh, kind of blows their wad a little bit or do you think that really enhances the final goodbye that much more i think it enhances it because i i think i only really was drawn to notice that um 
because I knew I was going to be on a podcast talking about <laughs> the movie as a whole. So I was being a little more analytical. But, I appreciate um, that. Thank you for being a listener. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think it takes anything away from that. And I think the bump in that roller coaster is, you know, it's fun to go over and then come out on the other side. Yeah. Good point. We've we've talked about tugging at your heartstrings and the the finality that stems from that original messaging of ET phone homes like okay we're going on this adventure we're gonna see him through to the end uh, oh, it's the end oh bittersweet I, I like it I like it top let's let's call this one let's call this one a top 30 so a couple below you talking to me taxi driver uh what we've got here is failure to communicate cool hand Luke have you seen that movie Pat you know, I um, Cool Hand Luke. That is, he is in a prison facility. That's right. And he has to eat a bunch of eggs. <laughs> that's I saw, that's that's the I whole saw movie. recently. <laughs> yeah, uh, great movie. Yeah, I, I like that movie a lot. They still got to do that one too. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just right. I think it's hard with anything top twenty five or below, which I've done a few of, because when you get past that, I, I think you get more into the. Um, some movies are a little bit cornier. Like uh, Bond, James Bond. That's a little. It's a little corny. I mean, it's totally cool, but it's corny, right? Show me the money, uh, Jerry Maguire. And then you know, further down the list in the '60s, I think was uh, I feel the need, the need for speed. Um, so my dad loves that line. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe rankings aren't everything it's cracked up to be, but I mean, it's a list of a hundred, and you've got. I guess my my biggest contention is. Number one, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Gone with the wind. You liked it? I think I saw it around the same time I saw E.T., so I don't remember it very well. <laughs> Two drastically <laughs> different movies. Fifteen. I guess I just leave it alone. I say it was. I say it, it was too one. high. Maybe, maybe we bump that down. Keep it in the top twenty. I think no. you need to create your own list after this. I should. You know, I don't. I don't know how much mileage I ever really get out of debating ranks, but some of them are just don't belong there. Yeah, I just make my own and just take all the yeah. random bull out of here, like the stuff from Now Voyager and like stuff that nobody. It's hard not to corrupt. I feel like it. it's impossible not to corrupt this list with your personal. You know, well, it's all personal. Right. So whoever made this list, we we like need to know. Was it a committee? Was it one person? A, a jury consisting a, a jury consisting of fifteen hundred film artists, critics, and historians uh, okay. went went through this list, and I, I'm sure it was a knockdown dragout fest in some spots. You know, there were people just like me on there who weren't maybe weren't super brought up in the film world or art history world or whatever, but I'm sure they had their say at the end of the day. But yeah. the list the list needs to be updated. I'm still I'm still miffed about it. In the same vein of you being in the hot seat earlier, okay? Rapid fire off the top of your head. Does E.T., E.T. Phone Home belong in the top 50? No. Okay. Does E.T. belong in the top 75? Yeah. Between 60 and 70? Yeah. I'd say between 50 or 60, and I think I'd leave it at that. I respect that. Top Top 75 not top 50. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, um, my, my decisions are being colored by how much enjoyment and kind of like nostalgia 
that's that's really what it was yeah okay powerful stuff i think i'm just gonna go by 25s and 10s just for a little fun rapid fire thing thanks for helping me uh suss that out i might do that there's in the one future. question <laughs> what do you say rapid fire off the cuff russian roulette rapid fire. <laughs> you've got a 33 percent chance have you seen any movies maybe from like you know the 2000s on or i pick pick any movie i guess uh any movie you've seen recently that you think has a quotable in it i wouldn't say recently i think i alluded to it a couple times during this interview but uh, i have uh a, a a poor perspective of movies made after uh 2012 i think it goes it's the heart thing i think uh I take it personally when I see a movie (laughs) and they, you know, they kind of, again, it's hard to define, but you see what they're trying to do and some of it feels a little uh, pandering or... I I can empathize with that. And I'll also say it's not, you know, it's not every movie that has been made since then, but it's like the rule, you know, there are exceptions to the rule. Yeah, yeah. I would never, uh, you know, peg you as just somebody who can't enjoy anything you know i I, i've known you for a a little while at least and i know you get joys out of the simple pleasures of small things to to sum up i guess we could say that number 15 on the list et phone home the reason it stood the test of time the reason that it's not as far down on the list probably more people voted in favor of this that it has the heart to see it through which we were gushing about earlier it's got really cool visual effects for the time people probably voted on it with the framing that you mentioned at the very beginning of hey this is the this is the original sort of you know 80s adventure uh somewhat at least having to do with a science fiction spin on it and um and yeah it's it's got the the magic feel good sauce to it so not much more to say than that i don't think well uh i have a few more notes if you uh are okay with that dude go for it all right. I'd love that. You know the the comic relief uh, older bro- Mike's friend on the bike squad with the bandana, the one who's cracking jokes or like he's got the punchable face. He's wearing headphones like on his bike riding around town. He is stuff. with a trucker hat. It's like yeah, is he, he's listening to AM radio like <laughs> conservative talk radio. I thought that was funny. What did you think of the clip I sent you? Where uh, the uh, older kid actor playing Elliot totally eats. Sh- a bicycle going around the corner yeah yeah i don't know how that made that pass editing because it was pretty uh pretty apparent but i i mean it was probably pretty commonplace back in the day man he wa- i think i blame him oh go on uh, he, he wiped out hard who, who do you blame he did i was gonna say i think i only noticed that because we've been playing halo and i'm like <laughs> used to like getting close to the screen watching for details <laughs> yeah i had my uh i had my monitor on 120 hertz when i was watching et <laughs> yeah. catch every little detail <laughs> i i didn't quite know how to take maybe it was meant to be goofy they uh take over the house and they come in with like the spacewalk gear like the full nasa backpack and i'm like was that that was a dream (laughs) yeah oh that's a good point i maybe i don't think it was i I think it was oh yeah i guess it wasn't because they they called out to each other at the end but why were they in space (laughs) well here's (laughs) if i had to explain it away i thought about it as i was watching i was like this is Really not appropriate for what's going on here, I don't think. But hear me out on this. They come in in those spacesuits, something as as a 
type what do we type one civilization i I've, I've forgotten the uh the, the nomenclature for it. If you do some research on your own, you can find out about different types of civilizations. Ooh, tinfoil hat Cooper. I think I know what you're talking yeah, about. So yeah. We, we are, we are space visiting, maybe not space faring, regardless of all that as a type one civilization, we uh, have spent time in space. That is our, that was our customary garb and, and outfitting during that time. If aliens had been spying on us, maybe that is what they'd be seeing the most of from a space faring civilization so they were like oh okay well if we're going to interact with an alien that we've been monitoring we should go as something maybe they would recognize more the nasa suits were a little off kilter but my reasoning maybe had a little bit of logic to it i I like your reasoning i thought that was uh that makes a lot of sense but i think it's a little presumptuous to think that you know aliens would only know what we look like because of how much we've been in space I've been listening to um, the one of the ET themes on loop this whole interview, um, getting into the mood of it. That's a great exactly. anyway. score. It is, and um, I think I came to know it because, like, uh, like someone, some friend of mine's older sister used to drive me to whatever sporting event or something with my friend and she liked movie soundtracks. So she'd play like her John Williams compilation CD. And like, so I kind of came to know the ET theme, not necessarily associated with ET. And I was just like, this is great. You came up on J dubs is what you're saying. A little bit. Everybody did. Yeah. You know, anybody who was, anybody who was worth their salt, anybody who was cool. Anyway, watch star Wars and cool stuff like that. Super cool. Uh, ET, E.T. beat out Blade Runner and Poltergeist for best visual effects. Now, ranking and quote aside, I don't know if I can get behind all that. Sounds like a rigged year for the Oscars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see that, you know, other years like Saving Private Ryan and um, Shakespeare in Love. But I thought a lot about that example and, you know, how is a war movie going to be beat a uh, love story movie in front of all these Hollywood saps. You know, they're not going to be like, it, I don't know, a love versus war situation. They're going to go with the the love just for the narrative of the uh, award ceremony itself. Yeah. Shakespeare in Love was directed by John Madden. Rip in peace, dude. Really? He had a full life, didn't he? <laughs> he really did. <laughs> he made his directorial debut after he retired from uh, from the game of football, from the gridiron. An incredible football career, yeah. I'm only truly salty about it beating uh, Blade Runner because that's that's a top five movie for me, uh, the original mm. Blade Runner. All, all seven cuts of Ridley Scott's masterpiece. Have you seen all seven? I've seen most of them. I don't think I've seen... Uh, I've seen the final cut, but I don't know if I've seen the original or the I've never seen the extended theatrical. Is Tears in the Rain a quote? No, it's not. Really? Yeah. And that one would be killer to have. I will make that's my own crazy. List. You bring up. A I great can't point. believe it's not on the list. Oh, I thought um, there was a moment at the end when it looked like E.T. was giving that potted plant back to Mike. But then E.T. like takes the plant and goes onto the ship. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> Um, like Indian giver ET moment. <laughs> I, I tried to find some 
sort of deeper meaning. That flower was a chrysanthemum, uh, but it, it means so many different things to so many different cultures. It's essentially meaningless, I think, in this regard. The shot of it coming back to life was cool. It was. It was It was uh, keyed in really well, uh, so where it didn't clash with the background. I mean, I would assume that it was just simple time lapse, but they got the lighting right, right and everything. It was just, yeah, super well done. I was wondering how they, how would they kill the plant? I don't think they waited for it to like wilt in real time. They must have <laughs> like put some kind of chemical in the soil and done the time lapse. But well, uh, in, in a in a sort of defiant move, they actually ground up uh, Reese's pieces and put them in a water solution and just yeah. made the entire soil strata essentially just Reese's yeah. pieces ground up. So I also yeah I I also like the moment when uh, Keys picks up the Reese's pieces. Like, <laughs> and you hear there's some funny. great foley work because i didn't even realize i was like oh he's just examining it and then it goes off screen i was like where's where's the camera cut crunch 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah the plant the plant dying is cool but does that beat does that beat uh the spinner from from blade runner i don't know man <laughs> yeah that's that's probably like the dilemma they were talking about yeah the visual effects hold on so the visual effects were the spaceship E.T. E.T. going back on the spaceship. Maybe the flying scene. But yeah. that was about Yeah. And and that beat Blade Runner. Yeah. So like in the and for every bit of good they did with you know the animatronic E.T. and the finger and the, the static spaceship with the lights and everything, the the keying out and the blue or green screen or whatever on the kids flying was just yeah, that was so rough. much worse. It was really it was rough. Yeah. Uh, definitely. I mean, it looked it. it looked good, but for the purpose of this conversation, like it beat Blade Runner. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have a hard time swallowing that one. I, I don't think uh, Rick Rick Decker would be happy about that one. There was um, something. One more thing I wanted to say specifically, yeah, which do. was at one hour forty eight minutes or around there. There's a he. I think that's when they're in front of the um, ET's ship, and he's he's giving Elliot a hug goodbye. And the cinematography in those couple minutes is like J.J. Abrams in a nutshell. Very much so. There's a lot of lens flare. They use um, these like glowing blue hues um, in reflected light off of like Elliot's uh, red sweater. Mm -hmm. And it looks very modern. It stands out a lot. Interesting. um, In my mind from the rest of the movie. You know, and I can't help but think like Abrams, like, you know, trying to make Star Wars, you know, the new movies or whatever. His whole visual style, like he, he must have been watching movies like E.T., um, looking for moments like that and replicating them. I don't doubt it either. I, I'd actually like to go back and look at that goodbye scene. Uh, and as a follow up, and this is what had felt fallen out of my head earlier, we, we live in an age of sort of, uh, I don't know, it, it has a negative connotation, I think, in, in some instances, or for, for some people, rather, but kind of like a, an age of revisionist cinema, you know, where it's like they go back and add stuff where it's not doesn't gel with the vision. They take stuff away that, you know, maybe should have they thought might have been, should have been changed in the first place. My biggest example with E.T. is I think it detracts from the overall tension of the scene. Um, cause it's, you see only maybe two or three guns in the entire movie, but nobody ever fires a shot. So there's, there's always that looming threat, but no danger. And I, 
I'm glad I finally remembered this because there's a 2002 anniversary edition. I'm going to copy this uh, image link here and send it to you. While you do that, I did think it was really funny that they have that close-up shot on the uh, the guy with the shotgun. And like <laughs> these like five kids on bikes are like coming by and he's like, you know, like, <laughs> he, what Ducking are you doing? For cover. Yeah, they they digitally removed uh, the guns, the shotguns you just mentioned in the agents or the cops hands in the 2002 version. And they replaced them with these lame walkie talkies. And I, I haven't seen it in motion. I doubt that it's even really good. I mean, this is this is the early aughts we're talking about. This is, <laughs> you know, this is early website stuff. But, oh, isn't that what they were making fun of uh, Spielberg and Lucas for in that South Park? The walkie talk, the walkie talkies. I think I uh, ringing the bell. I forgot. Maybe. Do you, do you remember the? Can you send me a clip of the the South Park episode if you remember it? Sure. It is basically. Um, this might jog your memory, but they had an episode where Spielberg and Lucas were basically meeting some of their beloved characters. And yeah, I I don't. I I I mean, and Spielberg doesn't like it either. I I don't like. This kind of stuff. I mean, George Lucas is particularly heinous about it. They they release demastered versions of you know the original Star Wars because he went back and added crap in that you know thanks to the the miracle of early two thousand CGI they could put stuff in. He's like, yeah, this really flushes out my vision. Uh, but it looked bad. And mm-hmm. and and in here, Spielberg himself in a June two thousand eleven interview. Spielberg says, in the future, there's going to be no more digital enhancements or digital additions to anything based on any film I direct, uh, which I think is cool. It's a pretty good stance to take. When people ask me which E.T. they should look at, I always tell them to look at the original 1982 E.T. And when we put out the digitally enhanced version with the additional scenes and for no extra money in the same package, we also put out the 82 version. I always tell people to go back and watch the 82 version. Because I think I think there's something lost a little bit. I mean, it's... I mean, that's that's the kind of, yeah, that's like the last elevation of the rising action. It's like roadblock, end of the line. E.T.'s only lifted one kid. He's on his way out. He's been dying this whole movie, or so far that we've seen. This is it. They're armed to the teeth. They're going to take these kids down. They want what they want. Oh, shit. He takes all of them up there. Holy cow. I just feel like it's... A little bit of that's lost when you put walkie-talkies in their hand. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, they have the guns in their hands, and you're like, what is what is stopping these guys from, you know, ending the story right here? Right, right, and right. What could... Yeah, and then they take flight, and it's like, oh, yeah. Well, they're flying now, so um, that would do it. And uh, But it is cool how um, the controversy of these revisions makes you reflect on how important certain things are in these scenes that normally it's just like I was just saying like I saw the shotgun and I was like oh that's weird that they have shotguns and these are kids on bikes but you know things that people notice and they mean stuff to the story by by that same token I also think about things that you know haven't aged well uh you know like there there's a as a very brief example and I, I I don't even think it's that bad um, but there's a scene in Animal Crackers where Captain Spaulding gets paraded in by a by a you know African tribesman or something like that, and he's in one of those big four poster 
kingly toting platforms. And it's all maybe like 10 seconds, but he's just like, yeah, I told I, we shouldn't have gone through Australia. You know, it's just like, that's too, too rocky there. I told you to take a left in Albuquerque yeah. or something like that. I'm just like, all right, well that didn't, that's not going to pan out for modern audiences, but you know, you need to save this content for the animal. I will. I will. I, I need to, I need to, hush. I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me, Pat. Uh, it, it's been a hell of a lot of fun. We've we've tripped on this. We we've gotten high on this nostalgia gas together. I'm glad I went on this trip with you. Uh, and we we don't like the line where it's at in the ranking. Uh, maybe that maybe that doesn't matter so much anymore. I think it's on a kind of a case by case basis, maybe. But I make my own list now, and that's you've given me something to look forward to. But the line, it's got heavy nostalgia behind it. You like the movie. I like the movie. E.T. Phone Home, a winner. A winner. Yeah, I think uh, I'm looking forward to when we do Animal Crackers because by then you'll be an Omex ranked player. <laughs> Fingers crossed, man. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Unquote. We've got more episodes upcoming in Season 3, and if you want to support the show, you've got lots of options to do so. You can find me anywhere on social media, at UnquotePC, to tweet, post, and share your thoughts and comments on AFI's list in the show. Use the hashtag MovieMonday to get a sneak peek at what I'm watching at the start of the week, whether it's on AFI's list or something just for fun. Rate this podcast on iTunes to help it spread to more people. Rankings and word of mouth are still top-tier ways to spread the love, so start your own conversation today. Last but not least, I have a Patreon account. Visit www.patreon.com forward slash unquote and choose a tier of support that will help bump up the production value and book new and exciting guests for future episodes, as well as get a shout-out at the end of new episodes. Music for today's episode provided by Likey Ueda and his cover of John Williams' opening theme for E.T., as well as outro music by Bob Reynolds and David Ryan Harris, covering Radiohead's Subterranean Homesick Alien. Until next time, I'm Cooper Powers, and keep the film rolling.